internet brand strategist Sandra Beck interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel, to telecommuting from home, to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. We've got an outstanding show for you today. We're going to be visiting today with Dr. Amit Goswami. He has written one of my favorite books. His book, Quantum Economics, got me through almost a whole year of divorce court. I sat in the lobby reading this book, Linda, and it was fascinating. It kept my mind off things. I could focus. It was really a very interesting book. And I'm so excited to get to meet him and talk about his new book today, um, How Quantum Science Explains Love, Death, and the Meaning of Life. It's the Everything Answer book. Talk about putting a lot on somebody's plate to answer. Those are big questions. Oh, those are the biggest questions in the universe, and and I can't wait to hear the answers, too. And it's really funny because I absolutely know nothing about quantum physics. The closest I ever get is Big Bang Theory. So um, I've got a lot to learn, um, but, I, but I'm open and I want to hear it. And, and it will be interesting to hear how science meets spirituality because that's a very controversial topic, right? It is a very controversial topic. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the Big Bang Theory because my kids were like, you're going to have Dr. Goswami on? He's a professor of theoretical physics. And that's like Dr. Sheldon Cooper. I think that's what most of us think of. <laughs> You know, when we, we hear this, but it's it's a part of science, it's a part of thought leaders that we want to bring to the airwaves today because they really give a different perspective, a different, um, you know, the observer effect that is, is prevalent in his first book, I hope is found in his second book. Now, his book doesn't come out, the next one doesn't come out until April, so if you're listening to this uh Prior to April 2017, you're going to have to wait like the rest of us. I'm waiting with bated breath for this book. Um, but without further ado, I'd like to bring on Dr. Goswami and welcome him to the show. Dr. Goswami, I'm a big fan. It's so wonderful to meet you. It is so wonderful to meet you, too. Glad to be here. Now, can you answer uh, for our audience, what is quantum? Quantum physics, quantum economics, quantum, what does that word mean? We hear it a lot on TV and in the media, but you're a, you're a retired professor, but can you help us define what that means for the average person? Well, in the context that I'm using, the word quantum means that this continuously different something, something which is truly creative, that should be called quantum. But of course, you know, people just use it for anything that has the appearance of being new, I hope. Even that is sometimes not true. So the work today has become very much um, uh, cheapened. Uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, we do that because of, you know, variety of things, uh, not excluding the current worldview, which is culprit for a lot of our habits, the scientific materialist view. Everything is matter, therefore there is no meaning, inherent meaning to anything, and therefore anything can be used for describing anything. As you can see, the political climate in America, is that's what, what people are doing. So um, in this climate, 
uh, quantum worldview comes as a refresher because it says that no, there is something called absolute truth and uh, words of meaning uh, that we give, certainly, but uh, we should also aim to uh, tell truth with words. And if you want truth, then I can tell you a little bit about the word quantum, which is correct. The word originally was used for denoting a discrete quantity. But soon that, that gave rise to paradoxes. So then we understood what the real meaning is, is that a quantum object is both wave and particle. It's a surprise, but that's the way things are, and it has to be understood in the following way. Objects are waves of potentiality, waves of possibility, and they become real things that we experience only when an observer observes. This is the observer effect that you mentioned in the preamble. Now, but you write, you use quantum physics to talk about thoughts and feelings and intuitions and dreams. You talk about karma and death and reincarnation the meaning of dreams, these are all nebulous concepts. These aren't things that, that quantum physics, you would think that they could explain. Well, this is the thing. Quantum physics says that everything that we experience come from nebulous <laughs> objects called waves of potentiality. You see how this changes the way we look at the world. We think that a, a chair, a table, a building, these are concrete objects. Quantum physics says, no, these are just potentialities until an observer observes. Everything is just nebulous potentiality. We, our observation gives actuality and whatever that actuality represents. For a solid material object, it represents solidity. For thought, it represents something more subtle. But that does not mean that a thought is more nebulous than a material solid object. This is the worldview that we have to somehow understand, make sense, and live by. Because there is no choice. This is the way the world is. Dr. Goswami, this is Linda Franklin. and. Um on this show, you know, we talk a lot with uh, people that are, you know, going down the spiritual path, and uh, and we're, you know, we we believe that like everything in the universe is energy, and it, does does energy play into all of all of the things that you're talking about in quantum uh, physics? Energy is in the right direction because when we say energy, what we mean is not as solid as solid matter. Matter we think as solid, rigid, and all that stuff, although not all matter is that way. There is also gaseous matter, but we think that way, that matter is solid. Um, energy, we don't think it as solid. Of course, uh, in physics, we know that energy and matter are the same thing, one and the same thing. There is no distinguishing marks between them, but that's beside the point. So the point that you are making by saying energy is that the universe is not as solid as it seems initially. It, it's less solid. So now quantum physics is saying that it is really quite nebulous because the universe itself is nothing but potentiality before it is observed. Like the Big Bang that you were proposing, which you did mention, which is uh, accepted theory more or less of science today, how the universe began, 
the Big Bang did not really happen 15 or 14, 13.7 to be exact, billion years ago. It happened, quote unquote, it collapsed using the quantum jargon when the first living cell appeared somewhere in the universe. It may not be on Earth. Sure. Um, I just was getting confused because we're taught, you know, quantum physics is like solid matter, and then um, the, the energy, that, that the word that I use is energy, is what we exude as human beings and, and, and plants exude and, and trees exude. And um, so we're all kind of in the same container, but we have solid matter inside of us as the tree does, but we also have this energy that comes, that comes out of us as well. So I, I, I just get confused on, mm-hmm. you know, which is which and how they intermingle yeah. and live peaceably together. Yes, it is very confusing. So the idea is that when the part of us is solid matter, as you said, that's the part we call physical body. And then we also exude energy. That exuding energy part we call vital body, the energy that we feel. We feel alive with vitality. That vitality is vital energy, energy that comes with life. It's not physical energy. The confusion comes from our excessive use of scientific materialism where it does not apply. Scientific materialism, this idea that matter is everything, has confused us. We all feel this vitality. There's no question. You're completely right, except that that energy is not physical. If you take a physical instrument, uh, you cannot measure it. You can measure it, however, with yourself. We, we can, you can feel the energy. So people like Qigong masters, they can affect a plant uh, growing right, and they can heal you because um, your vitality is what is blocked oftentimes when you are sick, and uh, that can be felt by a human being. Um, that can also be felt by a plant, but uh, non-living instruments, uh, cannot detect vital energy, although indirectly they can. Electrical uh, measurement is actually possible. We now have Carlian photography, which does measure vital energy. So we are making making improvements day by day, so things look brighter. But still, you need the quantum worldview to understand why vital energy is non-material and still very real. Materialists, of course, deny existence of vital energy because in their philosophy, nothing but matter ever exists. Well, you mentioned the Carillion photography. That's the photography, right, where they take a picture of a rose and measure its energy and you see energy fields around it. Is that correct? You got it. That's it. That's it. Once you see a Carillion photography, you, you start believing, okay, there is something to the fact that we have non-physical energy called vital energy associated with us, then that's what we exude. When we say, I'm feeling great, we mean that we have great amount of vital energy, vitality. You know, in your new book that won't come out until April, as Sandra said, the Everything Answer book, I love that Everything Answer because I have so many questions, but you say that... It's not only the future of science, but it's also key to understanding consciousness, life, death, God, psychology, and the meaning of life. If you can answer all of those questions in one book, I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a very exciting read. Let's just, you know, let's go to, let, let's just go to a couple of them and tell me how quantum physics can make it clearer 
um, how we would understand consciousness and life and, and the afterlife. Um, because, you know, those are, those are questions that we all have. I know. <laughs> and you're answering them. <laughs> Absolutely. Which one would you like to address Which first? one do I, I want first? Yep. I want to start with God. How does quantum physics define God? Okay, that's a great one. So quantum physics, um, now let me go back a little and start with where we began. Remember the potentiality? So quantum physics says that there, is, there are two domains of reality. It's not just based on time where we live. But there is also a domain of potentiality where our real stuff, the possibility that we are, that lives in that domain of potentiality. You know, this then Kovan, uh, what is your name before you were born? In quantum physics, we say before we are born, we are all potentiality. So this domain of potentiality has a very specific characteristic, which surprised all of us, all of us, scientists and non-scientists alike. Because in this domain, uh, no signal is needed for communication. What does that mean? Everything is connected to everything else instantly. That's what it means. Does not require signals. Signals take time to communicate. No signal means no time to communicate. Everything communicates with everything else instantly. But if you think about it, what does that mean? It means that everything is one in that domain. The whole thing is just oneness. And that's how God is defined in quantum physics. God is the oneness behind our diversity. Our consciousness is one. We are all interconnected, one being, and that being is God. Well, you know, we, we talk about oneness a lot on this show, and we understand that. And I know oneness is God, but we believe that we're oneness too, and we have a little piece of God inside of each one of us. Great. Yeah, I believe that too. <laughs> you believe that too. Good. <laughs> Absolutely. The quantum physics says that it is so. Yes, and so that means that each one of us has that power of God inside of us. All we have to do is tap into it. Right, and that accessing is the key. And we access yes. it through, first of, our, first of all, our intuitions, and second of all, using the creative process. So, so really, that's why it's quite simple. I mean, you said... How could I write all these things in some very few pages? Because it is fundamentally simple. When we don't have the right theory, everything is complex. This is why everything we do with scientific materialism is so complex. But as soon as we put quantum worldview into it, things become simple again because truth is always simple. So in quantum, and you just said that it's all in us. We just have to learn how to access it. How, how, is, there, is there a roadmap to access it? Absolutely. That is called the creative process. So creative process starts with this experience that we have, a little rarefied degree. Not everybody is familiar with intuition, but you can get familiar because everybody gets them. We get this gut feeling occasionally about something mm-hmm. that is quite vague in thought, but we also have this gut feeling or feeling in the heart that, no, this has truth value. If we follow them up using the creative process, which you now know how that works, this is a gift of quantum physics, and then um, it becomes simple again because, uh, it, agreed, it does require perseverance because it consists of four stages, a lot of doing, preparation, then a lot of sitting down. We call it unconscious processing because the domain of potentiality is unconscious in us. If we are conscious, of course, then it would be easy to pick 
possibilities, but possibilities are not conscious in us. They are unconscious. This is why we sort of have to let go. And when we let go, our consciousness processes these possibilities. So that's the main uh, trick to learn because, um, you know, uh, we are so familiar with working, 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 especially in countries like America. We just have become working bees. We have forgotten how to be bees. That being is important. And then uh, what I discovered is that it really requires alternative doing and being, something like that Frank Sinatra jingle, do be do be do. And after that comes the creative insight, and then it is, uh, again, hard work. You manifest the insight into a product. That's the creative process. I'm loving you because you're, you're, you're taking science and putting it into spirituality because sometimes the, the people, they think spirituality is woo-woo and, it, you know, it's not real. And here you are, this brilliant man, saying exactly the same thing. So I'm like, I'm, I'm over the moon with, with happiness because, because of that. Cause it, it, so th- that means if we have all of this inside of us and when we die, there's a part of us that, that, that doesn't. And, you know, I believe in the afterlife, so not everybody does. But I, I you know, how do you, how, you, I don't believe you can squelch that energy. Um, if a tree can, can die in the winter and come back in the, you know, every spring, why can't human beings, right? Yes. <laughs> no, that, that's correct. That is basically correct. I mean, of course, here it is the hibernation, a process where life does not completely disappear. But in the process that we have, yes, life completely disappears in the sense of manifest life. But the unmanifest part of it, uh, there are certain memories that we retain. It it turns out this will interest you very much because, you know, today we have become so material-oriented, pleasure-pain-oriented. We don't see how important it is, like in the olden days they knew that, important it is to develop a character. You know what I mean by character? We don't use that kind of thing anymore. But if somebody has a loose character, it's an insult. Why? Because loose character means that there is no fixity in the character, something like Donald Trump. They think that, you know, <laughs> even Meryl Streep, who does not usually complain, I haven't heard her complain about anybody before, but she complained last night. So, you know, this is right. a serious thing. Um, it's a very serious thing. Loose character is not good. We know that inherently. Only today it has become good. Today it doesn't matter anymore to people. But it is the character which survives our death. Quantum physics is very clear on that. The character is part of non-local memory. This uh, non-locality is the concept that I was talking about when I said that in this domain of potentiality, things can communicate instantly. That instant communication is called non-local communication. So this memory of the character traits that we generate, like our capacity to love someone, that's a character trait. Some people can love, some people can never love, because they're so tied up to their negative emotions that they just cannot think positively, feel positively, feel the energy that elevates you. So they're always into that. Um, Dr. Goswami, one of the things I remember from my physics, and by the way, when I took physics at Northwestern, the professor told us if he gave the physics exam to a bunch of cows in Wisconsin, they would have done better than we did. So you'll just have to bear with me. Uh, <laughs> on my That's physics, pretty funny. 
We've got physics that where matter is neither created nor recreated. So when we talk about like God energy or this oneness, this, this um, you know, we talk about death and we talk about the soul. Where does the soul fit into the quantum physics model? Is it just a label for an additional energy or how does that fit into that equation? Well, um, soul is, of course, a concept about uh, which everybody is confused because it has two major meanings. Soul is oftentimes depicted as something that survives our physical death. That's the, I think, most commonly understood meaning of soul. But we also say things like soul satisfying, or we say that we search for our soul. What we mean then is the soul that appear in the, in the four concepts, body, mind, soul, spirit. In other words, we think of soul as something higher than the mind. So there are these two major connotations, and quantum physics actually enables us to combine the two quite beautifully. I was talking about character before we took the break. Uh, character is the bunch of things that we learn during our life that makes our character. For example, I may be able to love someone, and somebody else may be so much into their brain that just cannot love. Uh, these are character traits. Um, somebody has their heart open. Uh, this is a character trait. Somebody is a healer. That's a character trait. Somebody is a singer. That's the character trait. This, it is this character which actually acts as what we commonly understand as surviving soul. It's the character that survives from one incarnation and then become available for the next incarnation. It's not taken for granted that somebody will actualize it in their next life, but it is available. Uh, how does it become actualized? When we start using it. As soon as we start using it, we find, oh, I already know this. I'm sure that you have all, all of you have that feeling sometimes in some things you just catch up so quickly. Why? Because you already learned it in your past life. This is why. Um, so in this way. And then the soul in the other connotation, that is also very important because that's the higher mind. So when we make these uh, representations of intuition, what we intuit, like love, beauty, justice, truth itself, uh, abundance, these quantities, if you think about them, you will find that it's quite not very clear what they are. Plato called them archetypes. They're archetypes for our thinking and for our feeling, but we cannot directly know what they really are. Like love, you know that song, I do not really know love at all. Uh, I don't know if you have heard it. It's called Both Sides Now, Joni Mitchell yes. I think wrote it. Um, Beautiful song, and the message is essentially correct. Uh, you know, I have looked at love for, what, I'm 80 now? <laughs> so for, for what, 66, 70 years? And still, I cannot say that I really know love. I know love quite a bit. So in that way. Now, these are quantities. When we learn about them, then we build a soul. That, that counts as our soul, what we call soul. So when we learn some of these old things, like loving, then we find ourselves satisfied. This is why we use the word, dissatisfies my soul. Um, so now is it, is it better? You understand what soul means in science? 
I do. I do. I find it very interesting when we talk about some of these things. Um, when we when we give anthropomorphic, like you know, we give a, a, a like human characteristics to some of these concepts of oneness. Why do we do that? Do we do that because we have a hard time understanding these concepts? I mean, what you said in the beginning with the truth is very simple. And when the when you have the truth, it, like everything makes sense. So why do we feel the need to make things so complicated? Well, because we don't understand them, because we don't we have forgotten how to access them anymore. We have to access them creatively. We have to access them beginning with intuition. But because materialist science denigrates intuition and denies that we have something called creativity, that's what the problem is. And for the last um, decades, you know, two or three decades, the millennial generation, they really have been shortchanged in terms of all these concepts very, very much. They, are, they have been taught that information is everything, but information is just the beginning. Then comes meaning, and then comes new meaning. With new meaning, we can approach intuition, we can approach the archetype. So things that satisfy our soul, these archetypal things, love, beauty, this kind of thing, is um, a little bit subtle, and that subtlety has to be appreciated. We have to learn how to feel these feelings uh, as well as think these feelings. The thinking is where things become very complicated. If you don't feel love, you write uh, hundreds of words, thousands of words, millions of words, and love still don't make sense. But if you feel love, then you know what it is much better. Uh, so, you know, my advice is that try to open your heart. Give up on the brain a little. Big deep, give the brain a break. It needs a break anyway. And, and, and live in your heart. See how it feels. Um, that way, we get answers to these archetypes much, much better. I think the technical problems are continuing. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with them, but um, as long as you can hear me, we'll keep going. Um, it's really funny because we always talk about our sole purpose. You know, a lot of people say, why am I on this planet anyway now? What am I supposed to do? And a lot of people can spend their whole life trying to figure that out. And yet, you know, you see on TV all the time these little children that are two and three years old that can play the piano or the violin and, 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 or jazz or whatever they're doing, and it, it's just who they are and, and what they brought back. They don't have to search because they, they got it right up front. So it looks like we're all on different, you know, different parts of the path. Some of us are more advanced when we come back, and some of us are, are just starting out on the journey. Mm-hmm. You got it. That's exactly the way quantum physics tells us. Really? So, Maybe. <laughs> absolutely, because otherwise, otherwise it would be impossible to learn these archetypes. They're time-consuming, no question. You know, it, it, it takes time to learn something like truth, um, let alone love. Uh, love is even harder. Because uh, truth at least has something that we can readily relate to, you know, you know facts um, that we call things that we call facts. We don't differ too much uh, evaluating fact, I mean, unless, unless you live in the very modern era where, you know, fact-free stuff has become common, especially on the Internet. But... Uh, you know, if two people communicate and they see something, they can communicate about what they saw. Uh, people will not deceive each other 
about seeing a unicorn when they're looking at a horse. So, right. um, you know, in that way. Um, but love, something like love, you have nothing to see. I mean, you cannot even give an example. Um, maybe if you're open enough, maybe you can say that, well, when you were 16, the first romance that you had, didn't you feel something in your heart? like that and maybe people even materialists would say that yeah 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 that is true i did feel something in, in the heart but of course how can it be heart and so forth but at least that's the beginning that you're there is yes. some feeling and then you go from there <laughs> you know i just don't know how people can be so skeptical and and they doubt so much when they see uh you know a, a little two-year-old that can play you know a beethoven concerto I mean, where did where did they think that came from? You know? Exactly. If, well, people just deny themselves because you know worldview kills you. If you have a worldview which says that no, these things cannot happen, you don't believe that they happen. You know, it, it's it's very simple. I mean, scientific materialists get puzzled why you know Donald Trump and others don't agree with global warming, but it's really quite simple. Their worldview does not permit global warming. Just as the scientist's worldview does not permit that a two-year-old can play piano because they reincarnated and they brought the expertise with them. It just does not compute with them. <laughs> yeah, well, that, right. And, the, and these people are a lot of the people that, that voted for our next president. And it, it's, kind of, it's kind of scary. But, you know, we'll all get through it that on January 20th he's going to be running this country, country although he believes he's running it already. Um, but so many people that he made promises to um, are going to be really disappointed when, you know, there's no follow-through. I mean, when we come back, I think we need to talk about what what kind of advice can we give people that are, you know, that, that are going to be going through, all of us that are going to be going through this upheaval and this craziness that, that he's creating because, um, you, you know, you, you either have to deal with it or... I, I think that, you know, you you might perish trying. So Yes. Yes, I would love to because quantum worldview has something very definite to say how we should be doing economics and politics. These are the very relevant questions to people's lives. Of course, Good. you know, so is love. So is love. Um and, and, and we should deal with that because quantum worldview has something very definite and encouraging. To, to tell, tell us about this. When we come back from the break, we're definitely going to tackle that um, that topic. And also, we I have your book, Quantum Economics, uh, sitting in front of me. And since I'm an old Wall Street veteran, I'd love to get into that, too, because um, I sort of didn't compute, econ- you know, economics and, and, and quantum. So we, we can get into that topic, too, when we come back. But uh, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am, and, and I know the listeners are, because, you know, this, this, this makes a lot of sense, and it really, really helps people put things in the proper perspective. Wonderful. Glad. Yeah. Yes, I'm enjoying it, too. Linda, I'm going to go over to you before I ask my question to Dr. Goswami about luck and where does luck fit into quantum physics. Uh, But go ahead, Linda, ask your question. No, before the break, um, we were talking about, you know, starting January 20th, we're we're all going to be living under the Trump regime. And um, some people are looking forward to it, and some people are dreading it. Uh, The craziness is every day uh, with the tweets and all of the shenanigans that's going on. So Dr. Uh, Goswami said he has some advice for how, for, 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 
for people on how to get through this and not let it damage uh, damage them. I mean, you know, because Trump can damage. So, I, you know, what what advice do you have for us so that we we can we you know like a protective shield against the Trump years? Well, the most protection that comes is not to make this into a us versus them. Remember, in quantum worldview, we are all one. So the first thing, very hard, agreed, but make it a meditation. Trump is not our enemy. It's also us. So what we have to ask is that what is in the movement of consciousness that is producing this huge error, that's what computer would say, error, error. Computer just start shouting if that's what we are seeing. Um, but the errors happen because the movement has been towards this producing this particular error at this particular time. Trump just is a personification of that error. The error was scientific materialism. Sometimes this happens. In the movement of consciousness, we make a huge error that produces a wrong worldview, faulty worldview. And when we start following it, we are, of course, following illusion. So that following illusion, we started demeaning the meaning of the word truth. So we started doing it by denying things like scientific data about paranormal phenomena, about reincarnation, about so many other things that you hear about, about love itself. We are equating them with simple material things. All illusory play, but seems harmless initially. But, of course, uh, some harm has come. You know, Internet's main occupation, you know, is not serious talks like ours or my website or yours. It's pornography. That's what Internet is mostly about. Um, so, you know, how did that happen? Because scientific materialism equates love with sex. Sex is the only real thing, they say. So in this way, why should we be so surprised that Trump is absolute uh, con artist or so full of illusion? Because you have been selling illusion, not reality, for now almost 50, 60 years. And there is a payoff. The payoff is Trump. And payoff may be worse than Trump. Just, just wait and see. So we have to own that mistake that we have made. We have to agree, Democrats and Republicans alike, and especially those of you who are able to hear me. Uh, not everybody can even hear these words and understand them. Mm -hmm. So quantum worldview makes it very clear why uh, this is an error, scientific materialism, and how to correct it. Quantum worldview is the correction. When we recognize that we are all based on oneness, when we recognize that love is not just sex, it's transcends sex. Yes, sex is a good beginning, but love is something much greater. When you recognize that happiness is not pleasure, happiness goes beyond pleasure. Pleasure is a good beginning, but happiness comes with exploring meaning and purpose and archetypes and wholeness and all this. Um, that's the way to a better world. Quantum physics is showing us that. When we frame our economics in the quantum way, frame our politics in the quantum way, we can do even better. And we'll see that. We'll see that very soon because Trump is producing an urgent, uh, you know, uh, siren song, sort of, uh, not, in the, uh, not in the way that we would like to hear, but Trump supporters saw it as a siren song, right? They got absolutely hypnotized by it. And um, this is not necessarily bad. It's a reminder to all of us that you cannot follow illusion for too long. Then illusion takes over. 
So uh, if you are comprehending this, then ask yourself, how can, how can we be free of illusions? Well, the problems are very easy, no? Problems like global warming, problems of terrorism, and these are things which are part of that illusion too. And so the first thing is to change the worldview that you follow. Second thing is to begin uh, clarity about the oneness connection. And then third thing is to appreciate that, yes, I have access. You know, Linda said in the beginning, uh, she knows this already. Uh, Sandra said in the beginning, she also knows this oneness. So learn about this oneness, how to, how to access it. Learn about creativity and intuition. That everyone can do. And when you start doing it, the illusion falls away. It just does. My experience is exactly that, and so will be yours. So Trump is a four-year lasting nightmare. So be it. One thing mm -hmm. I would suggest very strongly, pray every day. It does not push the nuclear button. That's the only thing that scares me a little. Other than that, you know, I have nightmares before. I will have nightmares again. So will you. <laughs> We'll handle it. Yeah, yes, I believe we will handle it for sure. Well, we will handle it. You know, I love what you said about selling illusion. Um, I want to know where luck fits in. Is there luck and chance? You know, yes, is that like a randomizing factor in quantum uh, physics? Or does luck and chance, is it like streamlined, like the realist perspective where we take, you know, certain variables out to, to, to streamline things? Where does luck and chance fit in? Well, luck and chance are sort of cases of weak synchronicity. You know the concept of synchronicity that Carl Jung, the great psychologist, introduced, meaningful coincidences. Even when you uh, have the tendency of saying something is happening due to chance, if you look carefully, you'll find that the very fact that you noticed it means that there is meaning for you in there. So it is really not luck or chance. It's really a meaningful coincidence, except that the coincidence is much harder to see. It's one of those coincidences where something is also statistically kind of uh, uh, hard to predict because its statistical chance is very small, you know, and those are the situations where we say, oh, this must be chance, like winning a lottery. It, it's very hard to say that it's a meaningful coincidence. It, it, it's more, more appropriate to say it must be luck because, you know, chance is so little. The statistical probability is just so little. But you know, this is where um, your attitude towards it becomes important. If you believe it's in synchronicity, it will act meaningfully with your money that you won in the lottery. If you believe that it is chance, you will just um, gamble it away or throw it away or do something frivolous with it, you know, that way. So I think that the better gamble for quantum activists, quantum aficionados, if you understand the quantum worldview, is to just uh, try to see the meaning in everything, even chance coincidences. I'm not ruling out that there is such a thing as chance, but I'm saying that even in the case where we invoke the concept of luck or chance, there are meanings that we see, we can see. And if we see that, will then take the effect and use the effect, use the happening in a meaningful way. Otherwise, we'll just throw it away, throw out that opportunity for transforming, for changing our life. Doctor, does oneness um, and, and quantum 
economics play into all of this too uh, is, i mean i i worked on wall street and the, and it you know it's just so black and white about it's about the almighty dollar and that and that was it um are we i mean even in you know the stock market and everything i it, can you can you apply the 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 quantum economics to that well this is this is the thing the stock market and the way that the financial markets are played the whole financial economics part this is where really you know i now i see why you asked the question about chance and luck because this is where it is very hard to see how meaning can enter and uh, the uh, capitalism the ideas of adam smith and the ideas of quantum economics that all apply to production consumption part of the economy not the financial part of the economy this is the gambling part of the economy so here is where you have to take person by person and see how in a personal case financial part of the economy still may have a personal role in terms of meaning and synchronicity but other than that as far as the society is concerned this is a dangerous place where only gambling is taking place and so in quantum economics we we would like like to eliminate financial banking financial sector of the economy and replace it with the subtle sector of the economy the the idea that i gave is that the financial sector resulted because people have too much money like trump is going to give a huge tax break and just expect it you know we cannot do very much about it democrats don't be able to stop it i don't think um so the the there will be millions and billions maybe uh, dollars available to uh, very very rich like the 0.2% of the richest people so uh, that being the case um they will have this money but of course they won't uh, they won't uh, really really uh, apply it to the production consumption economy because they won't feel secure so what will they what will will they do about this money they will put it in the financial sector of the economy mm-hmm. they will gamble with it so um, you know uh, this is part of life it will be for a while until we eliminate this part and that will take huge amount of political will it's not going to happen anytime soon quantum economics gives another answer it says that well look why is this happening because people uh, cannot find too much leeway in investments in the in the production consumption economy because materialist goods are so limited if we start selling subtle goods you know we talked about love a lot suppose somebody is so loving that i have much guaranteed love that i can bestow on you then wouldn't you come to me to get some love buy some love and maybe i can um, live my life with just making enough living selling love Thank you for listening. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach Talk Radio.